Welcome back to From the Bridge. I'm the Captain Rick Jones, and today we will continue our series on the seven C's of new business pitching. So today we'll discuss communication, plus maybe the lack thereof, from the soapbox and a new place to eat on the road with Rick, plus Lee Douglas, the general manager of Gator Sports Properties for Learfield Sports at the University of Florida, will be my guest talking college sports and more. So don't change the channel. Let's start now from the bridge. We have been discussing the seven C's of effective new business pitches. So far, we've done five of these C's, namely, number one, competency. You got to actually know what you're doing. Number two, context. You got to know what you're doing in, in terms of what they want you to accomplish. What do they want to see happen? Number three, which I always feel like is the most important, you have to challenge them. You have to challenge the way they think. You have to look at things differently than the way they're looking at things. Number four, creative. You've got to be creative. And number five, in order to really get anything done, you've got to have collaboration. So today is all about that 6C, communication. Because should you actually win the business, communication will become essential for account management and success for you and your client. So we suggest that you communicate effectively during the pitch period. So how do you do that? Firstly, you acknowledge and communicate regularly in the pitch process with all of the client contacts. Now, usually one person from the client will be designated as the point person. I like communicating both with that person and also copying, if I'm using email, everyone at the client involved in the selection process. I like doing this weekly at a minimum. Secondly, you ask a lot of questions, either on conference or phone calls or through an electronic portal the client has established. And then you let everyone know that you've submitted a question or questions to the portal. Once you submit materials, then you should follow up and communicate with the point person to make sure that they have actually received your materials. That's happened to me in the past where things get lost. They go to spam or they get lost in the mail or they're stuck in the mail room someplace if I've overnighted things. So you always need to make sure they've received them. Then, of course, the pitch, which is hopefully face-to-face, but unfortunately a lot of Zoom pitches these days. The pitch is all about communication. I never bring anyone to a presentation who does not have an appropriate speaking role. You don't want to have window dressing with your staff. You want to make sure your staff actually has something relevant to say. In the presentation, I like to firstly tell them what I'm going to tell them. Secondly, then I tell them. And thirdly, I tell them what I told them. I have a sign in my office that says, A confused mind always says no. Communication prevents confusion because confusion is one C word that won't help us. We'll close the series on the seven C's of effective new business pitches next week with our final C, chemistry. My guest today is Lee Douglas. Lee and I first met when he worked for the Atlanta Hawks, and he's now doing amazing work at the University of Florida. We'll talk to him today about the state of college sports and things he is doing differently coming out of the pandemic. Let's welcome Lee to the bridge. Hey, Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Rick. Well, I appreciated you stopping by the other day when we had our tailgate tour down for the Alabama game. And uh, I tell you what, the atmosphere in Gainesville that day was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I, I, you know, my wife is from Live Oak, a little bitty town, not too far north from Gainesville. And my father-in-law went to the university. So we've spent a lot of time in Gainesville, been to a lot of Gator football games. But that day was unlike anything I had seen. 
Well, it was electric, Rick, to say the least. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the deficiencies in the SEC schedule uh, is the fact of the way in which you know the the East plays the West, or vice versa. Uh, and with the rotating bases, you know, a, a case of Alabama. I mean, they're only coming to Gainesville the way it's set up right now uh, every ten to twelve years. So, you know, it's special in its own right, but obviously the, the history and heritage of, of Alabama um, and then what the feeling was with the Gators and also coming out of COVID, people excited to get back to going to live sporting events and stuff. Uh, it was kind of the, the, the perfect storm for just a, an exciting, exciting day. Well, we'll get back to talking a little bit about some of the things that I saw that day and some of the things you're doing, but I always like to start with my guest with you know, kind of the journey, you know, where'd you grow up, where you went to school, what was your first job? Well, I um, uh, was born and raised in Atlanta, uh, did live elsewhere early in, at the uh, ages and stuff, but from sixth grade on, uh, my family moved back to Atlanta, uh, so it's a product of uh, DeKalb County High Schools. Where'd you, where, 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 where did you go to school? I went to Lakeside, so uh, I, went to I was Avondale. very familiar. I went yeah, to Avondale. I was very familiar. Yep, they, yep. Uh, we were big yeah, rivals it, with Lakeside during that era. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and of course, growing up, the kind of for, from your standpoint, the biggest rival around. But we followed was the uh, Decatur Avondale matchups and stuff. Uh, I'm reading. Um, yeah. uh, I'm reading Bill Battle. We had Bill Battle on um, a few weeks back, and um, uh, he, he's got a new book called The Master's Plan Out, and it was amazing. So many of the guys that played for him at Tennessee were, were guys that played at Decatur or Avondale High School. I had sure, forgotten absolutely. that it was kind of a DeKalb County pipeline up to Knoxville. We had an All-American center named Chip Kell and mm-hmm. played at Avondale, and then he had the Chadwick boys that had all mm-hmm. played at Decatur. Uh, and so you're right, the Avondale-Decatur rivalry was was pretty significant during that era. Yeah, so uh, anyway, Rick, I, I uh, graduated with a degree in industrial management, which has now been renamed to the College of Management, uh, and didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I really was interested and fascinated with business. Uh, took a job with a uh, bank in Jackson, Mississippi, and the management training program. So I spent two and a half years in that, you know, getting exposed to all the various aspects of banking. Always had a desire that I wanted to go uh, get a, a graduate degree. So I came back to Atlanta and got my MBA in finance uh, from Georgia State. Uh, and interesting, uh, getting a degree in corporate finance, uh, what it really taught me was I didn't want a job in corporate finance. Uh, and so I... Uh, uh, looked in the one ads in the journal constitution. And I saw that the Atlanta Hawks were advertising for commission salespeople to sell season tickets for the Hawks. Um, and it was a six month job. And I thought that, uh, you know what, this would be perfect. Um, you know, marry my passion for sports and being employed and then while I really tried to figure out what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life and I turned a six-month job with the Hawks into a 27-year career so I was I was blessed and fortunate to be a part of a great organization and to be able to grow you know personally and professionally and be a part of the the growth as far as sports and, and particularly the NBA is concerned so that was really where I got my beginning right well, you think about that era of the NBA, you really did see what I call the turning of the tide. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 you know, David Stern's leadership, um, great players, great coaches, um, finally getting the television piece right. Uh, I, I can remember as a young person when the NBA finals were tape delayed, um, yeah. uh, you know, at night. And, you know, people look at me like I'm nuts, but it, it, mm-hmm. it, that era – it, it really hadn't happened yet. And then suddenly, you know, you get, you know, great players like, you know, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, so many others that, that came in during that era. And it really, I think, changed the whole fabric of the NBA. And you were, you were right on the cutting edge of all that. 
I was there, uh, you know, you know, not to age myself, but I, I began with the Hawks in 1978. So at that time, you know, the, the NBA was faced with a number of problems, a number of issues. They had just merged with the ABA. Uh, so teams like, you know, Indiana and San Antonio and, and uh, Denver and stuff were folded into the league. But it really was beset with a lot of image problems and and things that they needed to address. And David Stern came on as commissioner. And really, I had the opportunity firsthand to see what a visionary and what a master CEO he was and how he took that league, how he addressed the problems and addressed the problems head on and really turned it into the global enterprise that it is today. And it still has a mission to grow the sport globally. Uh, you see them doing a lot of stuff in Africa now. They uh, do some stuff in uh, China and India. And, you know, and they also really have, a, I, I think, a good social conscience in the fact that they facilitate conversation. And that's what um, that's what social conscious should be all, all about. It's not not, you know, saying, hey, this is the way you should think. It's just the fact that, you know, you ought to think and you ought to talk about it. And so there's a lot of things about the NBA that I still admire from afar. Well, there's certain things that he did that when you look back, were really pioneering. I mean, number one, you know, he orchestrated the dream team uh, that allowed our best players to play in the Olympic Games, which really was a facilitator for the global growth of the game and you see today the results of that so many tremendous players that came out of Europe and other places because they grew up saying hey I want I want to be like that secondly you know he, he formed the WNBA I mean mm -hmm. you know he was you know women's sports before women's sports were cool um he also had, you know, pioneered the salary cap issues where he you know sat down with the players and said let's become you know, financial partners in this thing and let's grow the pie and you'll benefit from the pie. And I, I think that kind of got him to change some of the issues that they had had, you know, before he got there or in his early days. You know, at one point, I think cocaine was just out of control in the NBA and and uh, there, was a, there was just a lot of negative images. But once he got players to understand you can be a true partner in this along with ownership – I think then then it really changed, and then you like you said this, they were they were doing socially conscious things, maybe long before it became in vogue. Yeah, well, I think that uh, off of it, you know the the benefit of the salary cap uh, was one to not only grow the league but also to get rid of the aspect of the uh, disparity between major markets and, and, and minor markets uh, or high revenue and low revenue that where it, it put the focus and the attention uh, upon ownership, management, and leadership, and that it didn't matter whether you were in New York or whether you were in Oklahoma City, uh, whether you were in San Antonio, you had a legitimate chance to compete for a championship if you did all the right things. And that made and resulted into uh, a much, much, much better product. Well, today's show is a, a lot about uh, communication, and, and David Stern was a great communicator. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you didn't always like the message. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, sometimes he could be pretty brutal about some of the things that, that he did, but he had a vision and he wasn't going to deviate from the vision of where he thought the league would go. And, and other people, it was kind of like get in line or get out of the line. Um, mm -hmm. And he, he led, um, I think, so many, many changes. Now, when you left the Hawks, did you go directly to Learfield? No, I didn't. Um, I uh, ran my own consulting practice out of Atlanta for about seven years, um, you know, as, as would have it uh, with a lot of people. You know, I, I left the Hawks because of change in ownership and they brought in a, you know, new management. And I knew, you know, I knew Bernie Mullen in the group and worked with Bernie at the NBA. But certainly the right of, of ownership is to bring in a new management group. Um, you know, I consulted uh, back with that that new ownership group for a for a period of time. But I really utilized my uh, experience and my contacts and stuff. And so I consulted 
on a number of projects in business and sports for about seven years. But I always knew that that at some particular point, I wanted to get back into something full time and to lead a team. Uh, I enjoy the I, I enjoy the people and the interaction. I also enjoy the aspect of the winning and losing. Um, you know, when you consult, there's only so much you can do because at the yeah. end of the day, it's somebody else's decision. And uh, that's the, the, the marriage of our business and sports is that winning matters. And so whether it's winning a piece of business or whether it's winning a sponsorship or whether it's winning on the aspect of just putting smiles on people's faces, that matters. And so I knew that I, that, that I wanted that at some particular point. Tracy White, who had worked uh, uh, for me for a number of years at, at the Hawks, uh, and he stayed after the ownership change, uh, took a job with uh, IMG at that particular time. And shortly after he came on board, he gave me a call. And he said, Lee, I know you're, you're looking for something. And, you know, this role of GM is interesting and intriguing. And maybe that's something you'd want to take a look at. And he and I began to talk. And, and you know, we talked about what it would take and what kind of property and everything like that. And, you know, I kind of said, hey, you know, if a property like Florida came available, uh, I would, um, I, I'd really be interested. And about six months later, he called me and he goes, Hey, you know, uh, it's available. Would you be interested? Yeah, be careful and what I, you I, wish I, for, I, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, anyway, I jumped at it and I had been here for a little over 10 years and have loved every minute of it. Well, it is one of the iconic, um, collegiate, you know, most prestigious programs out there. Um, I, you know, again, I grew up in the South and I remember the Ray Graves era. I remember when Spurrier actually played at Florida. That's how old I am. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, you had, you know, tremendous changes when Spurrier came there and then you had, you know, great leadership from, you know, Jeremy Foley, uh, and the, the, you know, the, the leadership continues after he'd retired and I'm, um, you know, again, it's one of those iconic programs. Um, I was fortunate to work with the national association of basketball coaches and got to watch Billy Donovan win back-to-back national championships in basketball, which was, you know, pretty special too during that era. Um, and I always have been a Dan Mullen fan. I, I thought yeah. he, he did so much with so little at Mississippi State. And you know, but I think, unlike others that followed, you know, Steve and followed Urban, Dan had been on the staff at Gainesville, um, mm-hmm. and I think that made a big difference. That he understood the culture and the expectations of the Gator fans. Um, and yeah. um, and I think that's one of the reasons. I think he's one of the best. Uh, yeah. you know, he's he's one he's, of the best game day coaches I've ever seen yeah. in terms of no, adjustments. He's, yeah, he's terrific. Yeah, when I took the job, Rick, interesting. Uh, and you talk about the the, the Gator brand uh, coming from Atlanta, and obviously I grew up, you know, Hawks, Braves, um, uh, Falcons, uh, University of Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, big city. So t- taking a look at, at coming here saying, okay, what's it going to be like? You know, at the time you're going into a state that where you have uh, 10 professional sports teams, you've got three schools in the power five with Florida, Florida state, and Miami. You have two schools with UCF and, and USF that uh, top 10 in the, the, the country in terms of student enrollment. You've got Daytona, you've got the home of PGA, you've got the March, PGA Tour, you know, there's just a, a number of opportunities that where people can spend their money in sports. What would it be like? And, you know, as I began to take a look at it, is that you take a look at Scarborough data, there are more people that identify themselves as fans of the Florida Gators than any other sports entity in the state. Um, you know, so it's a great, it's a great platform. The other that I looked at is that, Rick, what you're well aware of is the Director's Cup, uh, which recognizes the top athletic programs in the country. And the Florida Gators are the only school in the country that has been in the top 10 in every year of the um, existence of the Director's Cup, and in most years, in the top five. 
this commitment that that uh, Jeremy, you mentioned Jeremy Foley, made to all sports is to say that you know if you put Florida on the uniform, you're going to compete at a high level and you're going to compete with integrity, and that certainly has been maintained with Scott Strickland. So it's it's just a great great brand that you enjoy getting out representing. And in, in my world, hey, you like you like to get out and tell the story, and you, you just don't want to screw it up. Well, it's interesting. You go down there and you build a team and you're off to some momentum, and then we get the biggest curveball of our career. Um, we get this thing called COVID-19. I can remember where I was. I literally was at the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville on Thursday morning, you know, sitting in kitchen notes at the – Omni Hotel, and I think, you know, all the executives from the SEC, you know, Commissioner Sankey and, and, and Charlie Hussey and others were, were all, we were all in that restaurant that morning when our phones just started blowing up um, when Mark Emmert made the decision to cancel March Madness. And so, you know, here y'all are, you know, preparing for the spring and looking into the next season. What, what did you do first with your staff? What, what was your reaction? Well, you know, um, we were all in a state of shock, you know, obviously as to, okay, you know, what, what does this mean? And then second of all, how long is it going to last? And as we know, Hey, this is, this, this is something that no one in our lifetime had ever faced. And we were subject to a lot of speculation. I mean, is this going to be a one month deal? Is it going to be a three month deal? Um, no one really thought that it was going to have the longevity that it, that it had. You know, we lost the entire spring. People felt, rightly or wrongly, uh, that, you know, come the fall, they're probably going to be back to normal. Well, as we know, we went a, a, another entire school year that where COVID had an impact is related to games and, and certainly the fan experience and so forth. So um, all you could do is to try to, to not only gather as much information as you can, but uh, to, uh, from a company aspect, bring people together and just be open, honest, and candid and say, hey, here's, here's what we've got. We have a concern and an interest, um, you know, first and foremost to our employees. Um, and then second of all, and not in a lesser aspect to our corporate partners who have made an investment in our product and how do we handle that, um, and, and whatever way it is. And again, there was no, there was no textbook, there was no formula, there was no anything else like that. It just required, um, communication and empathy and, and, and it was a, listen, it was a struggle for all of us, but I'm, you know, proud of everybody, you know, not only on our staff, but in our industry as to how we handled it. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you go down to Florida uh, working for IMG and then we go through the merger uh, of Learfield and IMG. So, you, you know, you're now, I tried to describe it to somebody the other day that asked me about multimedia rights. I said, it's almost like a franchise model and that, you know, you've got your own business to run at Florida, but you are part of a greater ecosystem. Mm -hmm. When this happened, did you talk to the, 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 you know, the parent company regularly and did you talk to other GMs about yeah. how they were handling it? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, uh, Rick, I think you described it, uh, our situation perfectly and the fact that we really are a franchise. I, I, I operate the Florida Gators and have a P&L and, and performance in which I am judged and I'm expected to, to uh, receive, you know, um, uh, have the results in. It's same aspect, being part of, a, of our larger company, I enjoy the, the resources that are given to me, you know, not only back a house in terms of legal and accounting, but in terms of research and best practices and so forth. But, uh, Yes, uh, we we had regular communication corporately. We had regular communication with the GMs of the South, and then you know there's just some great people that uh, that lead. Um, you know Ryan Gribble at Georgia, Steve Early at Tennessee, and Jim Carabin at, at, at Alabama, uh, and others across the the area 
that where individually or collectively we talked a lot about what was going on. Yeah, you know, that way you're not kind of left out there on an island by yourself. And it, I think sometimes even hearing from somebody else that are having the same issues that you're having, it doesn't change them, but it kind of reassures you <laughs> that you're, yeah. you know, you're not by yourself. And um, I, I know this, the, and you mentioned this earlier about your, your staff. You know, the first thing that we had to do, and I think you had to do, was just make sure your people stayed safe. I mean, yeah. I mean, none of us knew what this was. I mean, it was just, it was kind of like this monster that had crept into our lives. And, you know, at that time, you didn't know if you could get it off a desk or if you could get it, you know, off of, you know, riding on a bus or, I mean, it was just so weird. And so, you know, trying to keep your people safe, but at the same time, you had to go back to work. I mean, yeah. Well, it was a trip. Yeah. And, and uh, Rick, you know, from an athletic standpoint here, um, they went into a lockdown um, in terms of, hey, offices were closed and, and people, you know, people work from home because obviously, again, what, what you're looking at is safety first. And as a company, we did the same thing. And all of a sudden, it's everybody's working from home. And so, you know, there's the safety aspect and there's also the logistics aspect in terms of, all right, how, how are we going to communicate uh, what sort of technology is going to be made available to everybody? You know, uh, we, we talk about Zoom. Our company invested in their whatever used uh, a company called Blue Jeans. Uh, but we did a lot of video conferences, but we did a lot of stuff where we just staying in touch with people and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, so we all were, were in it and trying to navigate it together individually and collectively. Well, you, you, the great news is because of the passion of the Gators and the Gator fans, you know, sponsors, I think you had a certain level of reassurance that sponsors were not going to abandon you and that they were going to come back. But did anything surprise you in that process? Um, you know, maybe it was happening so quick, Rick, that I don't know about the surprise, but you know what? It, it, it took individual conversations with sponsors to understand uh, what, what is it during COVID and during this period, particular time, uh, are there sort of goals and objectives? We have some fans that where, you know what, their goal and objective is to reach out and touch people physically. Uh, on-site activation. You did your tour. Uh, we have a number of sponsors and stuff, but that's what it is. And you know what? We use the term red shirt. Um, and if somebody had an agreement and sit there and go, you know what? We're just going to red shirt you for the year. We can't, we can't fulfill our end. We're not going to expect on the standpoint here you to fulfill your end. We don't have things in the standpoint here that where we can provide value to you. So you know what? We're just gonna we're we're just gonna redshirt you this year and we'll 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 pick it up um in 21-22 and, and and we'll go from there. We had others on the standpoint here is to say again that the resources that we have as a company to utilize our data, not only floridagators.com, but you know, as a as a company, we've got a number of ways in which we can aggregate data. Who's buying tickets, who's buying merchandise who has been on the website. And so we started to use and develop um, the ability to use third, um, you know, third party or first party data in order to reach people on other websites. We know that they're fans of the Gators. They've done these kind of things. So as opposed to just reaching them on floridagators.com, can reach them on ESPN.com. We can reach them on, on CNN.com or Vanity Fair or when they're, when they're taking a look at, at cars or shoes or whatever the case is um, and deliver messages and impressions. And it means something for those sponsors uh, that have logo rights that are official partners of, of the Gators to be able to reach them in those particular fashions as well. So uh, the idea of, of pivoting and retooling and reaching out in touch on the standpoint here, we did it. And so, it just took it took individual conversations with each particular partner and see if we could navigate our way through, um, whether it is maintaining a full investment or a partial investment or, or, or a redshirt. That's what we did, and we spent a lot of time pivoting and mitigating. 
Well, you obviously did a great job of it. When I was there for the Alabama game, I, I, I was just blown away by the not only the depth but the breadth of ways sponsors can activate. Um, you know, there was – I've never seen so many I, – I guess maybe it's – is it tailgate guys or is that who you use? Yeah. Or, yeah I mean, I've never yeah. seen – you know, and that's, I think we're seeing a, what I call a generational change that says, hey – I don't want to lug all that stuff. It's great to have it all provided for me, but I've never seen that many right next to Ben Hill Stadium. Then I went through your fan fest that I thought was outstanding. You had uh, Unilever there that day with one of their Mm -hmm. touring things, and you had a number of your sponsors giving away stuff. And then I saw, I think in the, maybe is it in the gymnasium next to the stadium where there was an extra hospitality uh, program there? And then I saw another, another hospitality program that you paid to get in. Talk a little bit about all the ways that sponsors can activate around the Gators on game day. Rick, as as you know, that um, uh, fans and sponsors are looking to do multiple things. And so to be able to do things like your tour, be able to do our fan fest area, uh, we're, we're blessed with the Gators that a lot of the national partners, if they're going to do things, they want to align with the Gators, obviously Florida, third third largest state in the country and the, and the strength of the Gator brand. So we had um, uh, we had the Unilever tour that were there, part of this. We also had the Heisman House uh, that was over on the Wrights Union lawn. Um, we had a lot of our local partners, again, that whether they're giving out things or they're doing things in order to collect data, um, you know, tailgate guys, they have things at, at, at uh, Gator Walk Village there. They also really began their corporate hospitality over and uh, right outside of this, the uh, Rights Union student building. And, you know, there's actually many or more tents over there. Some of the larger tents and stuff are there. So people are looking for hospitality for entertainment. People are looking to reach out and touch. And then our own corporate hospitality for our corporate partners is inside the O'Connell Center, um, right at right adjacent to FanFest um, with it. So, you know, the, the, it's the beauty of sports. Um, it's the, the ultimate reality show. It's the ultimate escape. Uh, it's the opportunity to enjoy and maybe get away from your day-to-day problems and stuff. And for uh, a half a day, come to a college football game, uh, great situation, great weather, uh, great, great atmosphere and stuff and just have a great time. And as I say, at the end of the day, it's about measuring, putting smiles on people's faces in whatever way it is, because we know that we have have um, accomplished their objectives and what they're trying to do. Well, one of the things you do as a general manager of a property like uh, Gator Sports Properties is you manage other people and you select people. Talk a little bit about your staff, what you look for in picking staff, how you communicate with your staff, kind of what your what your week looks like yeah you know this uh, i um certainly developed this philosophy when i when i was really running the hawks business and and i've maintained that here is that uh, first and foremost uh i'm looking for people that have a great attitude uh that they have a good work ethic uh and they have integrity um those are things that i can't teach people uh, you walk in the door. Uh, are you are are you a good person? Do you enjoy being around people? Do you enjoy being uh, a part of a team and success individually and collectively as a team? Those are things that I that I measure. Now, you know you've got to have if you're going to go into sales, you have to have a certain amount of sales aptitude. But I can teach you. I can I can teach you and develop you over time on how to be a good corporate salesperson. Uh, I can teach you on all the elements as it relates to fulfillment and activation and things in that particular regard. As I say, I, I can't teach you to be a good person. Uh, I can't teach you to have great uh, um, integrity. That's what you thats what you bring to the table. But if, they, if that's who you are, then you know what? You'll be successful here and we will be successful here. We do a variety of structured and unstructured uh, communication. You know, um, in, in this particular case, you know, coming up uh, here shortly, we'll have a uh, a meeting with our activation team 
um, and Andrew Cowan and myself will we'll talk to the activation team about what's ongoing. You know, hey, college, we've got a lot of sports happening. So right now, you know, we've got, in addition to football, we've got volleyball, we've got soccer um, and, and other sports that are taking place. So, so we're talking about what, what are all the activities. Uh, tomorrow, we will have a, a, a full staff meeting and we will go over a variety of top, topics, business and sales, and take a look a little bit into the future and where we are. Then on Wednesdays, we'll have another full meeting, and it's really led by the uh, um, service team, and they're talking about fulfillment. So we're talking about what's coming up in terms of we've got men's basketball, women's basketball that's getting ready to, to begin. Gymnastics will start in January. You know, what elements are we needing from our, our partners? Uh, we're talking about digital and social, uh, what elements are needed and where, where are we slotting and everything like in order to, to fulfill that. So it's that, that, that structured as well as the unstructured aspect as to what goes on so that we can maintain and service at a high level. Because um, people, you know, this whether we're talking about the state of Florida uh, on a macro basis, take a look at all those things that I mentioned where people could spend money. Or we would just take a look at at college in the state, or we taking a look at national people. You know what? They have choices. You know, nobody. You know, nobody needs the Gators. Nobody needs anything uh, as it relates to a particular thing. We earn we earn their trust, and and the way in which you earn the trust is that you meet and exceed what they're looking to do, and you have to service at the highest level. Well, I, I am reminded about uh, a, a buddy of mine in, in, in New York one year. He said to me, he said, uh, man, the SEC football is kind of like a religion, isn't it? I said, oh, no, it's a lot more important than that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is a, a unique uh, entity. Um, you know, the whole tagline, it just means more. I, I saw a wonderful post of your bride with Tim Tebow. Uh, I guess yeah. I guess the SEC uh, Nation show was down uh, on your campus. You know, that's another thing people don't realize. If if ESPN Game Day decides to show up or SEC Nation shows up, they take up a lot of real estate. Yeah, uh, yeah I, do. I, I mean, and then you got to kind of say, oh, where where am I going to put them and how am I going to do that? But again, it helps promote Gator football in a lot of ways. Talk a little bit about that. No question. Hey, you know what? Um, I, the, all the SEC is blessed and benefit from the launch of the uh, SEC network. And, and one of the things which the network did, which obviously they're, you know, in with ESPN and ESPN has developed, you know, uh, honestly, one of the great things around with the Home Depot game day. Um, and, you know, they took a, they took what was really a traveling studio and they've turned it into, I mean, almost a traveling carnival. Um, but, but the, you know, ESPN's ability to incorporate, whether it's Home Depot, whether it's Coca-Cola, whether it's, uh, there, there are other partners around. Well, when they launched the SEC network, um, uh, you know, they took that same model and they said, you know what, if you're an official SEC partner, not only in the aspect that we're going to go, we're going to go on campus, but our partners are going to go with us too. And so they, they have that as well. The SEC network made a commitment to say we're we're going to every campus over the course of the football year. You know, we're not just going to the the biggest and the best and the hottest. We're going everywhere uh, because it is the SEC network, and you know, it, and it's a big deal. And obviously, when the SEC network comes here, um, you've, you've got Tim Tebow and you've got Laura Rutledge, who are both Gator grads. And so it's it's a little bit of a rock show um, because all you have to do is is mention Tebow's name and people go nuts and they flock and rightfully so. But it, it, it's a big deal and it's an exciting deal. And obviously, uh, schools love it because it's it's show, showcasing their brand uh, nationwide on one of the biggest platforms around. Well, let's shift gears one more time. Um, there were so many changes. I, I, I told people that in, in a lot of ways, the pandemic didn't necessarily cause the changes, but it exposed them. And there were so many things that were coming in from, you know, the, the DEI issues and transfer portal and 
you know, financial issues and all that. But the one that seems to maybe affect you guys the most, and I'm interested in your point of view on this, is in name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, we have a law in the state of Florida that's different than laws in other states. Uh, we're still waiting on the federal government, uh, hopefully, to make some sort of a consistent ruling because it's really the wild, wild west right now. Uh, and I don't know how anybody's navigating it, to be candid with you. But how has that affected y'all, and what are y'all looking to maybe do around NIL? You know, um, uh, Rick, the, the, the law in Florida, um, when, when it came out and got enacted, um, it, was, it really was trying to set up a, 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 initially a true separation of church and state. Uh, that they did not want the schools, and we view ourselves in this case as an extension of the school. They did not want the schools to come across and to get involved and influence or interfere with the student athletes' right to go out and negotiate deals. Um, and so they didn't want on the standpoint here to say, Hey, that somebody interfered and maybe the student athlete didn't get the full amount because the school was, uh, exercising some influence or guidance or whatever. So it really kind of started out that it was, that it was true separation. Now, I, I think now as the schools had some conversations with, uh, the, uh, the attorneys and stuff that they can at least facilitate communication and, and, and not act as a broker, but as a facilitator is to say that, you know, if you're a company and you're interested in student athletes, you can say, all right, you know what, here's, here's whatever, 25 athletes, you know, names and email addresses or whatever and stuff along those particular lines. Um, at this point, I'll, I'll tell you, Rick, there hasn't been anything major from a heartburn aspect. It's an education aspect. Um, you know, the biggest things that the schools and the MMR rights holders have is the use of marks and logos. I've described it is to sit there and say, you know what, name, image, and likeness. That's what it's like when you come out of the womb. That's who you are and what you look like. And that's what the, and that's kind of what the rights are. Um, now, if you want to utilize it in our case, the gator marks and uniforms and everything like that. Well, you know what? We need to have a, we need to have a negotiation with the company to be able to take, you know, whether it's a Emory Jones or a, a gymnast or a, or a swimmer or whatever the case is and, and utilize that. But if you want to, you know, if you want to use Emory Jones and, and advertising and it's, and it's Emory Jones, then you got the right to do that. So it hasn't been a big deal, but I think it's an emerging thing. And I think a lot of it is still on the education aspect as to what happens. Uh, you know, the difference between college and pros, and obviously I was in, you know, in the pro side for, for years, is that if a company wants to do a, do a deal with LeBron James, well, you know what? You know that you've got a long runway. You can do a deal with LeBron James you know, it, it could be 10 years or 15 years, uh, or in the case of him, 19 years, if that's, if that's the case, you know, in college, you know, you're looking at a four, very short, short five. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's still the aspect of being associated with the team, but I think they're going to be, you know, there's going to be those opportunities on a, on a big basis for the Trevor Lawrence's of the world, for those people that are the, you know, the Heisman candidates and stuff like that. Um, but we're going to see what happens, Rick, but I think that we're, we're interested and we're, we're on top of, but it hasn't been a disruptor, I can say for the Gators at this particular point, um, interested, curious, whatever we would want to do and however we would want to, want to fit in. But, um, at this point, nobody with the Gators has done anything big, uh, where it's caused any, any big heartburn to anybody at this particular point. Well, I'll, I'll make a comment and an opinion. The comment is I still think the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name of the back of the jersey um, f for brands like the Florida Gators. Um, and, and in my opinion is I think you, having worked in the professional space, probably brought great wisdom into the organization saying, hey, don't, don't panic here. I, I've seen this movie. There's, there's, I mean, we're going to be just fine. 
and athletes are going to be just fine. One of the things that mm-hmm. I do worry about is, you know, athletes, um, what they do as a freshman or as a sophomore in college will be with them for the rest of their lives because of the longevity of social media and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we, we, you know, we do a lot of work in the bowl business and, and we've told all the bowl games that a, a really smart thing to do would be to, to go to the, uh, you know, the two teams that are coming to your bowl game and spread the wealth around, you know, give every player mm-hmm. a couple of hundred bucks and say, hey, just post on your social sites, hey, we're, th- we're thrilled to be coming to the Gator Bowl or we're thrilled mm-hmm. to be coming to the Outback Bowl or whatever from that standpoint. So I think there's going to be ways that we can all utilize it to grow the ecosystem. But it is it is strange with the different laws out there right now. And, you know, and you combine that with transfer portal, my only concern is, you know, are we going to abuse it? Um, are you going to tell a quarterback at one school transfer to my school? And oh, by the way, there's a car dealer that's going to yeah. pay you a whole lot of money. And I, so I think there's still a bunch of unknowns, you know, around that. I want to close with one final question. What, what have you not done at Florida that you still would like to do? Oh, you know what? That's a, a great question. Um, I don't know that there's anything on the, on the bucket list. I, I'll tell you this. I just enjoy the dynamics of our industry. Um, you know, when I, you know, when I came here, obviously hey, things like Facebook and stuff were emerging and, you know, we've seen all the different uh, platforms there, but now, you know, the, 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 the social integration and the data, the data mining and what you can do from that. Um, I, I, I just want to get Florida and, and maintain Florida in the elite in our side of the business, things that I can control. So, you know, we're talking about uh, the, the great properties around and, and do a great job, not only for my company, but first and foremost, and I tell my company this, I, I, I view myself as an obligation back to the Florida Gators uh, before and I, at a higher level than I do uh, to Learfield. Um, I, I want to represent the brand. I want to generate the revenue that the school expects as well as the company expects and do that. And, and in order to do that, Rick, I've just got to stay young, informed, and relevant uh, because our world changes at a very, very fast pace. No, there's no question that it does. You've done a great job. I mean, it's one of the premier programs in the country and, I think a lot of it has to do with your leadership. And listen, pal, I really appreciate you taking some time today to be with us from the bridge. Well, Rick, Rick, uh, my pleasure and and kudos to you for what you do. Um, you're, you're terrific in this industry and one in which uh, I admire and, and will continue, continue to for a number of years. All right. Thanks, pal. Look forward to seeing you soon. See you, buddy. Got it. We started the show today talking about communication. So let me jump back up on the old soapbox and ask this question. Is there any place in the media where I can just get the facts and not opinions? I'm just looking for a single place. See, there's a lot going on in the world, and I just need the facts, (laughs) ma'am. That's a reference to Joe Friday. Of course, most of you don't remember who Joe Friday was. Just give me the facts as you know them without any spin, and let me be the judge of how to interpret those facts. I don't want your opinion. I don't need your opinion. In fact, I resent your opinion because I don't care what you think but what you know. You all know I quote a lot from the gospel of Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy wrote a song called Manana, where he reminds us that we all might end up being wrong. I need the media to be right. No, let me correct that. I need them to just be accurate. I'll determine if they're right. And that's just the facts from the soapbox. Let's close today's show with another spot on the road with Rick. I recently really got back on the road with an 11-day driving road trip from Dallas to Texarkana to Fayetteville to Little Rock 
to Alexandria in the middle of a tropical storm, to Lafayette, Louisiana, to Biloxi, to Jacksonville, to Gainesville, to home. But of course, I did manage to find some new places to eat along the road. What do you do when you're holed up in a Hampton Inn at the airport in Alexandria, Louisiana for three days and two nights while it rains cats and dogs? Well, you look for some real Louisiana food for sure. And I found it at Pamela's Bayou in a Bowl. They've got both Cajun and soul food. In most cases, a combination of both. It's a buffet where you order a meat with two vegetables and they serve it with a piece of cornbread and a slice of sheet cake. I ordered the classic red beans and rice, smoked sausage, plus green beans and broccoli casserole. They also had fried chicken, smothered chicken, pork chops, and several kinds of poor boys. But I had the red beans and rice. I hope y'all know the story of Red Beans and Rice. It's a New Orleans institution largely served on Mondays. Now, why do you say Mondays? Well, because you had a ham on Sunday, and you ate the ham down to the ham hock. And then on Monday was laundry day. And so it was the day that you could put the beans and the ham hock on the stove for hours and hours and hours and leave it alone while you did the laundry. Make yourself some rice. You got yourself a great meal. These red beans and rice were as good as any I have ever had. So good and so filling that I didn't even bother to eat dinner that night. It's Pamela's Bayou in a Bowl in Alexandria, Louisiana, on the road with Rick. That's it for today. Thanks to Lee Douglas for a wonderful conversation. I hope you'll join us again next week as we complete our series on the seven C's of new business success from the bridge.